0: And we're back welcome to another episode of syracuse sports friends presented by Krause health the exclusive healthcare partner for syracuse athletics i'm brent axe so glad to have you here this is going to be a off season of hype i think unlike any we've seen in the history of syracuse football by virtue of how the world is today with more voices more resources the internet Social media and things that maybe will be invented as the course of the year goes along. Talking Syracuse football, building up Syracuse football, and anticipating Syracuse football. As we sit here today, as I record this, there are 234 days if the schedule holds as is. Because remember, Syracuse still has to add a non-conference game. But as it stands now, they start the season August 31st at the JMA Wireless Dome against Ohio. We're 234 days away from that, and Syracuse fans just cannot get enough of Syracuse football. And there's always an interest and a curiosity when there's a coaching change. But this has been a coaching change unlike any, because Fran Brown is showing receipts. He's bringing in transfers. He shaped up one of the best recruiting classes Syracuse football has ever had since they really started tracking this stuff about 20 years ago in a few weeks time and there's another signing day to come in february so we'll see if syracuse can add on to it but this has been extraordinary and it is unlike any of the years that stand out in terms of the buildup to a season and that is the question i had for our syracuse sports insiders for this episode and we hope you can become a syracuse sports insider today just text the word orange to 315-847-3895 you text directly with me i text directly with you back and forth during games your feedback as you're going to see here shortly for podcasts like this our syracuse sports insiders get priority on the podcast they get breaking news first they get my opinions first and it has been an incredible journey so far with our syracuse sports insiders we want to see it continue here in 2024 you can try it free for two weeks and it's just 3.99 a month after that So the question that I had for our Syracuse Sports Insiders today was this. 2024, the 2024 Syracuse football season will be the most anticipated season since? Question mark, right? Because there are a few years in my mind that stood out, but I was curious what the years were that stood out. And there was a definitive pattern that we came away from this. Let's go to some of the insiders in the things that you guys said. My guy Brian Neal says, My first year as a Syracuse student, 1998, my first game in the Dome, the opener against Tennessee. It was absolutely electric, and I feel like there was a lot of buzz for that. (coughs) Excuse me. No question about it. That season, as we're going to talk about with our guest coming up here shortly, beating Michigan in the big house, McNabb senior year, and I felt like lived up to the hype, right? That Tennessee game, of course, that bogus call at the end of the game that gave Tennessee T Martin a cup. You remember Peyton Manning and moved on and the eventual national champion, Tennessee volunteers. But man, that's when old man moment here. That's when Syracuse football was Syracuse football, right? 98 certainly fits that bill. Scotty K says, I believe that was the highest anticipated season since McNabb's senior year in 1998. Syracuse had a loaded team with future pros. The win at the big house that year was amazing. Ryan F. drops in to say, oh, this is easy, Brent. It's 2019. Coming off a 10-win season, Elite 11 quarterback Tommy DeVito about to take over the offense with some big transfer names involved and the possibility of college game day coming. And Ryan adds this. All the events that offseason, the El Hano video series, the event at City Hall, new uniforms, the feel that Babers had taken the program to that next level in the little typo there, but that means in the ACC. Peter B., for me, the most anticipated season since, don't kill me, Brent, Greg Robinson, 2005. I was a staunch Coach P supporter, but I was intrigued by what a new regime and the vaunted West Coast offense could do for Syracuse. It's truly exciting to see the competition we are going up against for some of these kids, meaning now it is like the Mac and P days. It's been a long time coming. And I cannot wait. Kyle M. says, I remember the opener against West Virginia. This is 2005 now, like it was yesterday. And how packed the dome felt to me as a 13-year-old. To this day, it feels like it was a major fork in the road moment in the history of Syracuse football. my our S. says, for me, Brent, it's since ever. I'm always the ultimate optimist. But right now, my optimism is off." the charts. So a pattern emerged when I asked you guys this question. 1998, 2005, and 2019 felt like seasons that were hyped up. And think how the media changed. Think how things changed in the coverage of the team, social media, the internet growing up in that time to a point now in 2024 where it is relentless hype based on all the voices out there, not only the traditional media, but social media, fan media, and ways that you can interact. But As I said, Fran Brown's bringing receipts. Every day we're hearing about a new transfer or a new commitment that either puts Syracuse on their radar or is going to commit to Syracuse. And these are four-star players. Syracuse is more four-star players on its roster now than I think it ever did in the Dino Babers era, maybe a couple uh, preceding that as well. So it's one thing of the curiosity and hype and buildup of a new coach. That's been there. I've seen plenty of those, as you have seen plenty of those as well. But in just a month's time, Fran Brown is showing receipts. So, guys, we are about to encounter what I think is an offseason unlike any we've seen in the history of Syracuse football for a variant of reasons. Now, 98, 2005, and 2019 stand out. But there certainly were some, as we would put it, as if we were voters in the Associated Press poll, others receiving votes, right? Certainly a couple other years came up. Either 87 or 88. Now, look. What was the hype like between the 86 and 87 season, right? You just had newspapers and television and traditional media, and things moved a lot slower those days. You didn't have sports talk, radio, or anything that was kind of pumping this up 12 months out of the year. The team went 5-6 and six in 1986. And I feel like close observers of the program felt like they could probably be pretty good next year, but 11-0-1 in that season – but 1988, following up the 87 season and the uh, kind of the gap that was bridged there, I feel like that era fits this bill. A couple of years in the early 90s, prior to 98, before McNabb came in, you know, 92, you had Texas and Ohio State on the schedule. And let's face it, Syracuse was consistently winning eight, nine, 10 games in that frame. So, where there were there a couple of years? Uh, I remember in the early 90s, Quadra Ismail was getting Heisman hype entering his senior season, right? So I feel like there's a couple qualifications there. The other one I wanted to mention was 2009. At a coaching change, of course, going from Greg Robinson to Doug Marone. Marone comes in, the alum, the dream job, trying to invigorate some new passion and energy into Syracuse football after it hit, frankly, an all-time low in the Robinson era. That was enough. But then Greg Paulus came along, right? Greg Paulus... The basketball player? Yeah, from CBA here in Syracuse, New York. Wait, he hasn't played football for four years, and now you're going to make him your starting quarterback? Yeah, they did, and I mean, they went four and eight that year. Greg held his own. I still think they should have started Ryan Nassib in his freshman year, but that's just me, but think of that first game that he started, and by the way, the first play from scrimmage went sailing over his head, but that first game, near sold out dome energy 2005 same thing 2019 think of college game day could be coming and coming off the 2018 season people bought in and believed again in syracuse football the difference i think between any of those other years in this upcoming year is just as i'm going to talk about with our guest matt park coming up nil transfer portal and the resources that brown had that maybe some of these other coaches did not I mentioned it. I wanted to talk to somebody who certainly was around and remembered those other years that we brought up. Right. And look, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this and you remember some years from the 60s or 70s, hey, throw them at me. But obviously the world's different today. What, what was hype? You know, was the 1959 team hyped up coming into that year. I mean, it, it didn't exist. Right. So we're kind of talking like the modern era. But I wanted to talk to somebody who, who's like me. OK, certainly has been in the media for a while now but grew up in central New York and transitioned from somebody that just followed the program as a fan into the media and has that perspective. And Matt Park was the guy, the voice of the orange, somebody who has not only called a lot of these seasons in these teams and been around these games in these teams, but before that was just, uh, you know, growing up in Chittenango, New York, watching Syracuse football and can remember some of these names and teams that stand out so let's bring in matt park and let me once again thank our syracuse sports insiders for your great feedback on this you created this episode i asked you guys a question the feedback was so incredible i'm like that's a pod because that's what being a syracuse sports insider can do matt park the voice of the orange let's check it out Matt, it's been fascinating to see what Fran Brown has done in a month's time as the head football coach at Syracuse, and and we're going to get into that. But, you know, a couple of guys that have been around for a few years and seen a few things, you know, before you know where you're going, you got to know where you've been. And it was fascinating to see what our Syracuse Sports Insider said when I asked them, you know, what are some of the big-time years that you remember that were just hyped-up seasons? Because I feel like – We're already at the point where this upcoming 2024 football season is, there's going to be some buildup to this and some real anticipation to it. And we're 234 days away from kickoff. So there were three years that really stood out. And I thought it would be fun to kind of go through those three and kind of get your recollections on not only those seasons, but the buildup to them. And it starts in 1998, right? Donovan McNabb senior year. There was talk of the Heisman. I remember our old friend Rob King. We're at media day before <laughs> that season. That's and Rob says guy. to yeah. Rob says to Donovan, Are you coming back next year? Oh, wait. That was the question last year, right? So it just goes to show you like how good McNabb was and what the buildup was there. What do you remember of the the dawn of, of that season in, in 98 and in ninety eight and McNabb's senior season?
1: Well, that's as 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 highly anticipated as it gets. I, I think we're going to talk about modern times, and yep. you know now you've got social media and so much more that's in the ether uh, than then. But you know that's a time you're part of three straight Big East championships. They would won nine games three years in a row. Went to good bowls every year. Donovan's one of the handful of greatest players in the history of the program. I mean, to me, if you're thinking about build up anticipation, high hopes for the season, that's the time relative to your other uh, recommendations and, and choices here. Uh, the Tennessee game, I think we all can remember, uh, you know, sell out and in the dome and the way it ended. And, the, the you know, I just think back then, obviously you're into the games and the twists and turns and, and that type of thing. So that's a, a real pinnacle. I think your, your uh, listeners have picked a good one as far as, you know, what were the high points? I I think if you now we have the hindsight here of of more than two decades to look back at it. You know, back then it's like, oh, just didn't get over the hump, had a tendency of kicking back a game that could have or should have won. That's a different type of concern than we've largely had for the last 20 years, which is, you know, how are you going to be competitive uh, in your conference and, and that type of thing. So, Um, You know, for me, uh, of all your lists, that's probably the the top. How could it not be when you talk about being relevant on the conference and and national stage? Because that was the case back then.
0: Yeah, beating Michigan at the big house. And uh, the Labor Day storm was that year and everything that we were dealing with then. And I feel like... It's funny. I
1: didn't work here then. I was just out of school. I remember watching the Tennessee game on TV, and I was at the Michigan game and had incredible... Oh, seats wow. and yeah that was uh that was an awesome time what you know the quietest of course back then Michigan every week could be breaking a new attendance record and so that was an attendance record 110,000 and the quietest that 110,000 could possibly be it <laughs> was
0: awesome thanks to Dwight Freeney uh shutting down yeah. Tom Brady and of course McNabb and the big game that he had and that score was deceiving the final score I think was 38-28 but Syracuse just throttled them through most of that game and Matt I feel like all things considered you know they they get an Orange Bowl bid McNabb had this incredible season one of the great walk-offs the Miami game his last home game yeah they lost a couple of games that year but when you're talking about nine and three Orange Bowl yet McNabb didn't win the Heisman but I felt like when we got to the end of that road it did match the hype I felt like that was a season that those two things, they rarely match, but I felt like that season satisfied. It'd be nice to win the orange bowl, of course, but I felt like the buildup to that was not over the top. It felt like it matched. Did you, did you feel the way at the end of that season too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think there was so much anticipation around McNabb specifically. Uh, I can remember just gathering where I was watching his you know college debut or watching, you know, the big game at North Carolina and that type of thing. I, I there was just a lot of buildup. You know, if you remember the, just the silliness of who's our quarterback going to be among three different people. Okay. And, <laughs> I do. You know, and you're looking at basically a hall of famer, uh, that emerges from that group and, and goes on to have a an incredible career. So, you know, he's an icon, huge part of, of Syracuse football history in the, you know, sort of post 44 uh, era and, uh, I, I think he's a kind of cut above, and, and led teams that were cut above. But if you look at the roster, there were a lot of pros, you know. Certainly at that time, and and uh, they all should be commended. I mean, that's that's really, a, again, iconic, celebra- you know period worthy of celebration. You know, to to ninety six to ninety eight to be in the Big East race all that time. Miami had a little downturn, of course, and uh, you know th- that's a, a hallmark period.
0: I'm scratching away cobwebs, Matt, but I believe it was Keith Downing and Kevin Johnson who were yeah. the, the other combatants there. And uh, the, the quarterback race that, you know, quickly did not become one. As we saw McNabb uh, take the field in 95 against North Carolina. But at the time, it was, it was actually a question mark. Uh, interesting to look back on that. So that's 1998. 2005 came up. And, of course, that's the transition from Paul Pasqualoni to Greg Robinson. hindsight, of course, you look back, things did not work out with Robinson. But, man, the fascination of how different this was going to look, what Robinson would do, he brought in some coaches that were more pro-oriented. And the West Coast offense, remember, this is the height of the Pete Carroll USC era. It's why Daryl Gross partially brought in Greg Robinson on the recommendation of Pete Carroll. And it's just when you have – somebody a legend like paul Pasqualoni, stepping aside and greg robinson stepping in hype might not be the right word man it was almost like curiosity like what is this thing gonna be
1: yeah i would agree I, you know Daryl gross uh, swung big uh there were a lot of hits and some misses uh, we all know you know i think the the looking back and unfortunately we lost greg robinson recently and, and far too soon uh, I just started to use the word epitaph, which might not be fair, but the, the summation, let's say, of the, the Greg Robinson era, I, I think Greg Robinson, first of all, he's a tr- tremendous person, um, great member of our community, uh, I think is a pretty solid football coach. I mean, I, I don't think you you know fool your way through the career that he had. The condemnation of that time is they didn't have the staff. They didn't allocate the staff appropriately and it broke some of the bonds that were built by certainly the Pasqualone DeLeon era. And that's what you're seeing Fran Brown, especially there have been others. Doug Marone tried to rebuild those and there have been other attempts. But I think what you're really seeing is they're getting back to that type of thing now. But anyway, going back to that transition, yeah, I don't view it really as an. Look, and I'll say this, full disclosure, I anticipate every season. You know, when people say, oh, this game or that game is not worth my time, I I always say this, there's only 12 games a year. You can't get up for all of them. That's a you problem. You know, uh, to me, same thing, football, basketball, whatever, it's a pleasure to watch. It's my job to watch. I get the best seat in the house. So I'm probably, you know, I'm definitely unique in that uh, category. I anticipate every season and every game. Um, and and build it up that being now, said okay that time was obviously weird right you went to yeah. a bowl in 04 uh the bowl was not competitive right from the opening snap um certainly we all knew that a coaching change is something that possibly could happen but it happened late in the cycle uh you know i know daryl gross years afterward kind of said that was part of it that he wasn't really ready right then to maybe do it and it, it, uh, kind of impacted, you know, the ripple effect that came and, and, you know, there were some good players here, some not enough in the, the Robinson era, but they just weren't competitive. Um, there were other changes. If you remember at that time, I mean, you're changing your sort of marks They changed the turf in the dome, they uh, upgraded the weight room, if I'm not mistaken, because I I remember thinking at the time, well, the previous guy could have used this too. Right. You know, and that's I always think when every time there's a coaching change, first of all, there's a at least the high that it's a step back in some regards with every coaching change. It's just the way it is. But there's also a honeymoon period and there's a best behavior and there's a refreshing of Okay, are we really putting the right resources to this? Is everybody doubling down and doing what you're supposed to do? And so that has sort of happened over time. It's certainly happening now uh, in the Fran Brown era. And when you think about uh, assistant coach compensation and the types of things they're doing uh, for recruiting and and that type of thing, if you want to be successful, you've got to make uh, those kinds of commitments. Um, You know, in retrospect, of course, you look back. and you know, Pasqualoni was moved on from because you know people were bored with eight and four. You'd take eight and four, <laughs> you'd take and eight and every four every year. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it
0: was a lesson. People in the don't want to hear it, it but
1: it's it's yeah. hard to go eight and four, and eight and four gets you in a good ball. And eight and four, uh, moves you know, nobody wants, and even there, you don't want to feel like you're a, pl- a plateau no matter what, right? But I, I think people now. In hindsight, or understanding how difficult it was to do what uh, Paul Pasqualoni did,
0: well, and I think this transition—you go from '98 to 2005—speaks to Matt how, in just that time, and you know, you teach it at, at Newhouse, I do too. You're a much bigger deal than than I am. I show <laughs> up for five—I I show up for five weeks a semester. You're really immersed in it. But one thing we teach our students, of course, is the media itself and how it changes. And obviously, these days, it, it is insane the rate that it changes. But think of 1998. Okay, what is hype in 1998? You've got the traditional media, the newspapers, the television. You know, if you get on the cover of like Street and Smith's magazine, that was a big deal. <laughs> the internet's still in its infancy, right? It's we're still kind of figuring it out, and we're we're blogging, and we're doing what we're logging on to AOL. You know, and, like the internet, <laughs> it, yeah. what, message boards, and and certainly social media, not a thing. Two thousand five. The transition between pascaloni and robinson and admittedly i was a part of this as somebody that was a talk show host in syracuse sports talk radio much bigger deal than it was in 1998. the internet much bigger deal message boards were there blogs were there the internet presence was there there's more voices that lead to these things that call for coaching changes and and observe this stuff right so just in that short period of time what what syracuse was in 98 versus in 2005 when they're trying to turn a page was fascinating to me
1: yeah and just i just want to point out with within arm's reach here i've got um i i tried to blend it you know the old and the new but i've still oh, got that. my that's great i got my magazines here i got my
0: that's got the street i got Smith my my phil
1: steels i've got that every year you know jam-packed i've got 20 years I worth of these. It. Um, he
0: brought props, it's, fantastic it's, it's
1: stacked up, but uh, yeah, we were on, you got the old, old school media and, and the new. Yeah. I mean, if you want to fast forward to now, I mean, certainly it's an entirely different world and uh, look, I don't want to quell the buzz at all. I'm jumping out of my shoes, excited that people are excited about the year, but people are excited now Because of and in different ways than ever really existed before, now every Tom, Dick, and Harry who plays college football puts out on Instagram their thing with their standing on the this and they got the you know leaning on the Lamborghini or the you know the cartoon character. I you know I said God bless them, but the, the everybody who's rushing got and has it on Twitter and Instagram and oh my you wouldn't know if you were standing next to King Joseph Edwards in the deli line at Wegmans, <laughs> right. right? But because this guy, you know, it's Syracuse or, uh, you know, relatively speaking, uh, Syracuse, all Miss, you know, Georgia, pick a hat, you know, on national TV. Those are all really positive, uh, fun things that get people excited. I, I think there's a ton of reasons to be excited about what's going on right now.
0: It's a, it's a different time. And it's funny because Fran Brown in his, uh, one of his zoom calls before the, uh, I think it was the signing day zoom call a couple of weeks ago. He goes, ah, eh, well, you know, that's, that's not what we're about. I'm like, yeah, but you still did it. Right. It's, it shows that you, you gotta appeal to what's out there. Stand out, do something different, particularly in the social media era. Right. There was one more year though, Matt, that I wanted to cover with you and that's 2019 and media hype is part of it in this way. Cause of course, 2018 Syracuse wins 10 games. Dino Babers is extended. There's a transition there from Eric Dungy to Tommy DeVito. We had seen a little of Tommy DeVito play in the Dungy era, but the feeling was, okay, now you're, you're handing off from one of the most successful quarterbacks in the history of the program to a true blue four-star Elite 11 quarterback. So you're feeling good about recruiting. The hype there was present in that Syracuse did what I thought was a phenomenal series, the Ohana Family videos where you're seeing the team training in the offseason, it was it was really the most behind the scenes look we had seen at Syracuse in an off season, really ever, and it was almost a hard knocks of Syracuse football. So people are feeling that you're trying to capture the buzz of the previous year. There was strong indications. I think it was going to happen that had Syracuse beaten Maryland in the second week of the season, the college game day would have been there the next week for Clemson. And it just felt like, okay, you need some consistency here. You need that back-to-back bowl game. And it just felt like there was a surge going into that year and that Syracuse, at the very least, was was knocking on the door in the ACC.
1: Yeah, but, you know, but. <laughs> but Here's, they got to whack in Maryland, yep. right? And, and, and uh, it just wasn't really there. I think instead of saying, hey, you know, putting down the 2019 team, to me it, it has more to do with, 2018 team was loaded with seniors. You had a quarterback that was suited for what was going on and was very, very effective in Eric Tommy DeVito, as history has shown, is a capable enough quarterback to win games in the National Football League. God bless him. What a phenomenon he and his family became this fall, right? And borderline like, you know, Linsanity and, and all that. And we, we all enjoyed the ride and we all but you all you kind of looked at it sideways a little bit because he his there's a little bit of a joke associated with his name and his whole sort of presentation, because you always had a degree of skepticism. I mean, he's as good as any quarterback that we've seen here in seven on seven or just, you know, shorts and t-shirts slinging the ball around. He's as good as there there's been. That's, that's what built up his, you know, elite. that's what elite 11 is. And that's what built up his reputation, but it, it just didn't function here that he looked like an NFL quarterback and is going to lead this team like an NFL quarterback. In fact, you can go back. Ryan Nassib is also an NFL quarterback. He just was in a circumstance where he wasn't going to play, (laughs) you know, happened to be for the the same organization, but Ryan Nassib, you had the impression, okay, this guy's leading the team. This guy plays every game, this guy. So we're we're kind of muddling the, the waters here a little bit, but you know, that's, that's what I think that, time period shows Um, not to, you know, retroactively douse anybody's enthusiasm for the 2019 season. There's, there's all kinds of reasons that, you know, again, you capitalize on what happened The 2018, there's a reason that ticket sales spiked and the the positive feeling of the bowl game and, and getting uh, what you did out of that trip. That's all part of riding the crest of of this type of thing. You know, my opinion, that's what happens now. You, You strike while the iron's hot. Uh, it's not a coincidence. you got a new coach, you've got the reseating at the dome. You've got, you know, more ticket information coming out here in the, the coming weeks about how the seats are going to look and where you're going to go and where your seats are and what the prices are. And, you know, that's all stuff that gets rolled out in, in the next few weeks. And, and there's got to be a wave where you ride this uh, anticipation and enthusiasm and, and build it into something.
0: Matt, uh, no question about that. You brought up Nassib he and i want to get your i don't want to say the years here but earlier in in the pot i kind of did the two years that are kind of the others receiving votes right because 98 2005 and 2019 clearly the standouts here. there was a pattern that emerged when i asked our insiders this question but there were certainly other years that came up is there one or two that you remember that we haven't discussed yet that you felt like belong at least belong in the conversation yeah, I,
1: I don't know. I, like I said, I'd have to kind of go back to what I said before. I, I mean, I'm in the business of anticipating every game and every yeah. season. I, I, uh, I, I will say this: like when in uh, when you come across people in the community in the summer, <laughs> and people tend to go, "Oh man, looking forward to football." Hey, we, I, you know, whatever positive, whatever thing there is to, to spark someone's enthusiasm for the year. Oh, we're opening with a conference game. Looking forward to it, right? Yeah, of course I am but I also like to play golf and kind of <laughs> right. yeah. so around here, our summers are so beautiful, but they're short and you don't want to rush, rush through them. So um, I'm happy for when football season comes around, but it, it can come around on its own schedule. You know what I mean? So well, I got news because, for
0: you, pal, this year's going to be different. Because... Yeah, but it
1: has a connotation to it. But yeah, I think, I think this summer, Yeah, there will be a little bit of a a wave there, in part because of some of these other things that we're talking about from a business perspective. You know, and again, there's still a game that's got to come up on the schedule. But if you think about what comes up here in the the coming days and weeks, again, information about reseeding and ticket packages. uh, Schedule comes out at the end of January. Uh, Tickets go on sale in the first part of February. You know, those, those, I I think you'll hear a buzz. You'll hear people talking about what kind of happens. You've got your spring game, Uh, which will get going. I don't think there'll be the off season disappearing in quite the same way uh, that maybe sometimes happens really for the reason I just mentioned, you know, and again, you open the season at home and um, between the reseeding and dome upgrades and all that stuff goes hand in hand. And so I think that builds into anticipation. So this is a big one.
0: This, this is a big one in the sense. And Fran Brown has the advantage that uh, the previous coaches we discussed, Matt did not. And that is the transfer portal. And that is name, image, and likeness. So Fran Brown comes in, certainly had the reputation as a recruiter, went right to work with just a couple of weeks before the early signing day. There's a number one, another one coming in early February, of course, and the portal in his background. And he, in the manner of just over a month, has brought in Kyle McCord, has brought in Fidel Diggs, has brought in a number of transfers, right, that have addressed positions of need right away. So you're showing receipts. You're saying, okay, not only do we – Is this what we're going to be? I'm showing you how we're going to make the recipe here with these players. Plus, you you convince a Marlo Wax to come back. You convince a Justin Barron and an Aranda Gatson to come back. So it's not just hype. Fans are seeing the receipts and seeing what the team's going to be here on January 10th and certainly more to come as we go, right? So I feel like that's the difference there, plus what you're hearing about Fran Brown. Matt, your interview with Fran Brown, the first we heard from him, right out of the gate like you got to win the room you got to win the press conference every coach has to do that but there was a genuine connection there that people felt right from the start and it has not dissipated here as we speak on january 10th so i kind of wanted to get your sense of what fran has done and you know how i agree with you i don't like to rush through the off season but i feel like i'm going to talk more syracuse football in the off season than i ever have here in 2024 and, and fran is the reason
1: yeah, I agree. I, I think the biggest – my first impression of, of Fran Brown, you know, it. look, and I don't think this is unlike anybody else, but f- full disclosure, within two days of him being hired, I don't know that I ever knew it, knew who he was or considered him or, or any of it. You start kind of asking around to to people that have been in places where he is and, and all that. But walking away from the interview we did on his first day in town on a Sunday night, oh, okay, I get it. You know, and I think we've all – come across people and you're like, this guy won a job interview. (laughs) Like he beat out somebody, he or she or whatever. But then walking out of the office there, that that meeting him the first time, I'm like, okay, I understand how he connects with people, how he sells people on his vision. And to me, the biggest attribute that coach Brown and his staff have kind of brought in and it applies to Kyle McCord and it applies to all these transfers and whatever You know, you and I, Brent, you started at the beginning talking about how much we've seen and been around. I could run down, you know, got it up on the computer here. We would go through the whole blow-by-blow of 25, 30, 40 years and talk about why it worked, why it didn't work, why there's built-in restrictions, how it's tough to win here, blah, blah, blah. New people come in, fresh blood, used to winning. They don't want to hear it. Trent Brown doesn't want to hear why they haven't won or, or why it's hard or what. And I just think he's not only is he coming in like a rocket, he can start to put pressure, not even put pressure, but make the the, the people around him will have the implication of, hey, you got to get up to speed with this guy. If you really want to win, you want the spoils that that come with it, uh, you got to get on board and understand that, uh, again, somebody who swings big is trying to do great things, doesn't want to hear why you can't. And, yeah, he'll run into restrictions. He's going to lose a game or two somewhere along the line here. And uh, there's going to be some of that. So let's see how they respond to that. But I think you like uh, the approach going in for sure.
0: And what you what you said earlier about Greg Robinson and building the staff stands out. Now, to be fair, Greg Robinson wasn't hired until late December and was put at a disadvantage right off the bat. And the
1: budget. And the budget, of
0: course. Yeah, this budget is much higher. And the staff is impressive and it's the connections. Certainly a Fran has made all coaches kind of have that, that web that they go to of people that they've worked with, but to see in Elijah and I, I'm going to leave some names out of this here, but Elijah Robinson and the recruiting reputation he has Nick Williams and the recruiting reputation he, he has, you, you bring in a guy that was with the new England Patriots. And I know that, you know, we're, as we speak, Bill Belichick has not moved on and that era may be over, but that still brings weight and a uh, almost every coach that they've brought in and a couple that they've retained there's some weight there there's a reason there you can look directly at it and say oh I get it why that guy's on the staff so that puts Fran in an advantage that that maybe Robinson and, and maybe a couple other coaches just just could not hit the ground running with
1: there's no question and and I think you got to be fair to Robinson and that you know again with looking back in history history's got to say look, they just didn't have the resources then that they have now. And, and, again, Syracuse doesn't have the resources now that Georgia does or or whatever, but they're far more um, competitive than it used to be in terms of building the staff the right way. You know, and obviously at the highest level is borderline obscene. I mean, you look at the the staff directory or the football staff of an SEC school, and it goes on for four pages, and they've got, you know – 15 analysts and, and whatever. Well, those are the ones who are really doing the nitty-gritty of breaking down opponents, breaking down recruits, kind of doing this grassroots work. And, uh, you know, th- we can go on and on about that. But that that stuff has improved here over time. Clearly, I would say the overall coaching staff top to bottom right now is as strong as it's ever been with the asterisk of, look, you got to be just fair and objective about it, the head coach has never been the head coach and going through those types of things that head coaches do. Right. And, and all of those things, you know, so, but what's happened so far, at least on paper, roster building, staff building has been a plus.
0: Matt, I really appreciate your perspective on this. There's going to be so much to get into. Basketball, of course, and lacrosse and the spring sports are going to come in. But as I noted, football is going to kind of nudge its way into the conversation a lot more than maybe it used to. And it's going to be fascinating to follow that. Uh, really appreciate your time and your spe- uh, perspective and hanging with us here on Syracuse Sports. We'll definitely do it again. But thanks for your time today, my friend.
1: Yeah. Happy to do it. And, and again, you know, football drives the bus in the industry, you know? So th- and that's part of two, maybe people, myself included, you know, you learn about it. It is a 12 month thing, right? So uh, okay. get ready for it. It'll be a ride.
0: My thanks again to Matt Park, the voice of the Orange, for joining us. My thanks again to you, our terrific Syracuse Sports Insiders, for being a part of this podcast. Sign up today, friends. Be part of the club. It's been incredible to see how far we've come, but we've got a lot more coming in 2024. Looking forward to growing our community. Be a Syracuse Sports Insider by texting the word Orange to 315-847-3895. Try it free for a couple weeks. See what we're doing, what the content we're sending. Send me texts like, hey, can you check on this? Can you check on that? That's what I'm here for, guys. The back and forth has been incredible. Getting to know some of our Syracuse Sports Insiders, seeing you guys at games, and it's only going to get bigger in 2024. Be a part of the club before, you know, everybody's in, man. The bandwagon's getting heavier. We would love for you to be a part of it. So as I mentioned, you try free for two weeks and then it's just three ninety nine dollars a month. After that thanks for your great feedback on this podcast and as always a couple of programming reminders so depending on when you're watching or seeing this post game shows to come after Syracuse basketball takes on Boston College that's Wednesday night Saturday they take on North Carolina in Chapel Hill we'll have live post games for both of those games coming up with your feedback as always uh, new assignment for you guys too now this is just for home games because I don't travel with the team generally but we're trying a new feature out where uh, I go into the locker room and we kind of pull some of the best quotes from the players. Cause typically the media, you go into the locker room, you get a few quotes and it makes a story or it's a sound bite on TV or whatever the case may be. And we felt like maybe there's a little bit more we can do with that. Not only on the podcast, but I'm going to write a story about this on Syracuse.com. It's going to show up the day after home games and we're going to try it out, see how it goes. But you guys as insiders, have a real advantage here because you can text me and say, hey, Brent, ask Judah Mintz this. Hey, Brent, can you ask Quadier Copeland that? Hey, Brent, can you ask Coach Autry this? Which is something you guys always had the ability to do. But now that I'm focusing a bit more on it at home games, let me know what you're thinking there. Of course, your feedback during games and your comments highlighted on our upcoming post-game shows. So that's a couple of things in the works there. More to come. Knock on wood here. Uncle Brent's working on some big guests for you guys, so we'll see if those come through here in the next week or so. Looking forward to, I don't want to give anything away, but I think you'll enjoy it. I just will uh, leave it at that. Thanks for checking out this episode of Syracuse Sports. Thanks to our friends at Krause Health, the official healthcare partner of SU Athletics. We will talk to you next time, guys.